0: Christy Smurfing Thursday. I am so glad to be here. Break up a little bit of the chaos has been going on. We've got an extra special high octane, high IQ show tonight with our extra oh, yeah. special guest, Greg. But before we get into that, we've got my co-hosts, my cohorts, my brothers at arms, the men who I would gladly go to jail for and with. Ryan, and Ray. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this evening?
1: Well, you know, I'm sitting here in my basement just living a life of quiet desperation and trying not to lash out at those that are more successful than me. I really don't want to do that tonight. And I hope that I can keep it together. I just hope I can.
0: Well, I was always taught to punch up, not down. So I thought lashing out at people that were more successful than you was like the appropriate thing to do, right? And that and I just, th- uh, you know, up, not down. I just hope I'm not projecting
1: or that somebody else isn't either. But hey, it's good to be here. It's good to have our guest here. I'm really excited to introduce him. But Ray, how are things? Are you getting everything back in order after your 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 uh, hiatus, right? From the grass out there, as long as it hasn't seen you, right?
2: Yeah. Well, did you uh... tell everybody
1: you really should have messed with people and said, well, you know, they, uh, you know, the Bureau of Prisons said I could go on work release to the states, you know, to the continental <laughs> United States. And, uh, mm. you know, I got a week away, well, actually, but uh, I'm back now and I got the ankle bracelet back on. I'm ready to treat your lawn.
2: <laughs> actually, I've I've already put people on notice. I've already put people on
0: notice. Are you threatening them? Is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> are, you, are you saying yes. like, listen, if you give me one one ounce of lip. I'll leave this MF I'm gonna vacate okay. the island. Is that is that what's going on here?
1: I'm gonna oversee yes. your Zoija in
0: Hawaii.
2: <laughs>
0: yep, yep.
2: It's it's like uh take that! Don't get, no don't give me a freaking reason to <laughs> pack up and go. <laughs> don't give me a reason to
0: <laughs> Oh, Ray. There's something Ray, Ray, Ray. about East Tennessee, and once it loops she is, you, you know, people used to call Memphis the black hole because it's it's funny. Like, you know, everybody I went to high school with, everybody moves away, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to get out of Memphis." And then, you know, at the at the ten year high school reunion, uh, you ask about, "Oh, yeah, man, you went to so and so. What do you do now?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I live I live in that town," you know. Like, "Oh, yeah, I'm over in Seattle," you know. "Like, oh, you're back in Memphis." Yeah, yeah, I'm back in Memphis. Okay. But uh, it seems like East Tennessee kind of has that effect too. Gentlemen, let's move in to our guest, Greg. I have not seen you yet. I've talked to you, uh, chatted back and forth. I'm glad to see you here, sir. I heard, I threw on my headphones and there was there was a talk of IT. So I've got to ask, are you an IT professional? I Yeah,
3: I'm in IT. I'm a
2: network engineer. is a small ISP.
4: This MFR
1: right here. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> got him!
0: <laughs> uh, Greg, it does not shock me, uh, especially based on um, the things we were talking about that I was stalking you on Twitter about. Um, because most most normal people aren't interested in those types of conversations, yet... <laughs> Not only were you interested in them, you pursued them, and then you even went after the um uh the authors of said articles to try and gain more direct knowledge from them. Even to the point that you you were like straight up in public. You are like, "Hey, your email isn't working. How the hell do I get a hold of you?" I was like, "That guy right there is a perfect person for Thirsty Thursday." So, welcome aboard the soul train. We're glad you are here, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It' excited to talk to you guys. Yeah. You know, hopefully we don't, uh, embarrass ourselves or you, uh, which we're prone to do. I think, I think we can, we can at least have a decently high level conversations without, um, making ourselves too much of the idiot, but you never know. Yeah. We, we, we'll step in dog shit if we got to. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. So Greg, Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a network guy. What, what was, how do you go from network engineering to uh, to the to the lawn space?
2: Um,
3: yeah, it's probably about four years ago. Um, first uh, first time homeowner. I had about three quarters of an acre. <laughs>
4: breaking up a little bit. Yeah,
0: is that is that my fault or is it is Comcast out to get you, Jay Pink? Are they are they monitoring your private conversations? Yeah, uh for whatever reason, Greg, you you keep dropping uh frames to us. I'm going to lower what we're sending you.
4: Look okay, yeah, look at
0: this. Look at this.
2: I'm a network engineer.
4: I <laughs> can't
0: well, J Pink, the producer engineer, is going to manipulate some uh, some some bandwidth up and down, and see if we can't see if we can't get this corrected. Already, it looks better.
2: Okay. Yeah you're you're not you're not freezing.
0: You're good. Did you yeah. Did you have to dedicate a- allocate some more uh, uh, priority to your to your network connection and like, take it away from the kids. Well, POS,
2: quality of service. Did you, where, 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 you, do you, where do you live?
4: I live in uh lacrosse Wisconsin.
0: La Crosse, Wisconsin. That's I got to really say. Yep. Yeah,
3: I got right. that. Wisconsin,
0: yeah. That accent you don't it. sound as Canadian as the other Wisconsin's <laughs> that that I, I know. So this is this is good. Yeah, they're, so they're far up north. Good. Are you from there? You've all you've always been there?
2: Yeah, for the
3: most part. I, I grew up here. Uh I've only moved uh I moved to Utah for like maybe about three or four months and I had to get out of there. <laughs> That my that's, living situation that's a, was that's, was that's
1: Utah. A, I was gonna say that's that's not that's not much of a chance. That was straight that's straight up like, yeah, I'm gonna give you 120 days and that's all you got. Like if you can't, you know <laughs> I just don't think this is working out, Utah. You know. It's not me, it's did definitely you, put, you. So
4: did you put
0: everybody on notice? <laughs> did you give them the ray treatment? <laughs>
4: Pretty much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Upper deck that toilet
1: in the apartment. And I moved out. That's how I did it, right there. <laughs> I hate you, you, talk. No, I don't know. I'm just making that up. I don't think he did that. But well,
0: oh, when you were boy. telling us about how you went from IT to lawn care, you cut out. So let's let's try it again. Yeah, tell us that that transition.
3: Um, yeah, first
2: time homeowner.
3: Um, yeah, so I had about three quarters of an acre, and I had no idea how to treat it the only thing i did was practically all i did was mow it um so i got a little help from my father-in-law who was like all right you got to put fertilizer on this thing um so he i bought maybe about four bags of fertilizer i think like a menards kind of a cheap brand and it, he threw it down and it looked a lot better but you know i i didn't have a clue how to maintain a lawn and three quarters of an, of an acre is kind of um, cause all I had was a mower I didn't have a spreader and have a sprayer. I didn't have anything. Um, so, so after that, um, I moved to my current place now and I've been here for about three years and it's 500 square feet and I'm like, well, all right, you know, this is, this is a time where I can manage a lawn. So I, you know, I do what a lot of people do. I, I went on YouTube, uh, for, to learn about lawn care. And so that's when I came across uh, Alan Hain, uh, Ryan Knorr, uh, I think it was John Perry and some others. And uh, that was basically when I started my lawn care education.
0: And, okay, so that was the start of your lawn care education. When did it go from lawn care education to, um, I, I, I did not I use full-fledged obsession maybe is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Her phrase. I
3: do. I yes. do have an obsessive personality, so I just don't. I don't just dabble into things. I take it to the extreme. Yeah, um,
4: dabbling so is,
0: is for cocaine, not not for uh, <laughs> life choices, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Don't Intervenous
4: lawn care. <laughs> uh so yeah.
3: So
1: give
4: me a vein. Yeah, I
3: guess. So I started to do a little bit more research, and that's when I reached out to the like, University Extension Office of Wisconsin, Minnesota. Uh, I think the first person I came across was Eric Watkins from the University of oh, Minnesota. Uh, Maggie Reader, I believe, just joined on not too long ago. But I, I was interested in his work on fescues. Um, he He's they, I think he's part of some group, called, it's like low-input lawns or something like that. And he talked a lot about fine fescues and did a lot of studies on fine fescues. And so I read a lot about uh, just fine fescues, low-input lawns, uh, no-mow, all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, I uh, heard about a Dr. Doug Soldat, a soil, soil scientist out of the University of Wisconsin. And the stuff I was reading, watching, listening to uh, of his content was just, was just gold, you know, and it was, it was a lot of really useful, practical information. Um, uh, even though a lot of it was geared towards like golf course superintendents or, uh, you know, people who manage sports fields and that, I found it, I still found it a lot, very applicable to my situation just as a homeowner, taking care Mm -hmm. of his lawn. Um, and that kind of transitioned to, um, he mentioned Micah Woods and MLSN in one of his uh, presentations. Uh, so I got into Micah Woods, and I, and I learned about his blog, asiantriffgrass.com. And then I got into all the blog posts that he posted and was reading up on a lot of uh, USGA green section record articles and all that kind of stuff. And, and then it just snowballed from there. So I got into Travis Shaddock's. <laughs>
1: Then it snowed like, oh, holy excessive.
3: Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just in the last year, really. Yeah. Um, and I got a, a lot of, of those month, know,
1: a couple month long benders, but I really didn't fall <laughs> off the rails until that third or fourth one. I mean and then <laughs> yeah. it got hard. I was bored. I was hooked. I was Quick. hooked. Yeah. Well that's uh, good. I mean, so okay, so I guess you know, you're it's like any subject, right, that you first discover and there's that whole like uh, curve of understanding, you know, the, the pressing topics that are out there and the people that are driving thought and everything like that. So at what point did you feel like you started to kind of understand at a deeper level, right? Like, was it something that you read? Was it sort of more of a a longer term thing that you got in there and said, OK, like now I understand this whole system and not just like this one thing that is going on in a turfgrass system
3: um to be honest i feel like i just kind of scratched the surface a little bit
1: we all are don't worry
3: yeah yeah and i feel like i know i still feel like i know nothing about this stuff but there's a lot of stuff that kind of stood out um i I haven't really, I just kind of researched more of the stuff that's, like I said, applicable to my situation. So, like turf grass, uh, fertility. So, when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, PGRs or collecting, you know, clipping volume, um, a lot of that stuff I'm interested in, but I'm more, I'm more focused on, like, NPK, macronutrients, um, and the like. Uh, so, and I get you, yeah, I get what you're saying about kind of the whole, the whole system kind of a thing. Um, and I, I still don't feel like I'm there, especially with nitrogen. Okay. I feel like I still got a handle a little bit on like phosphorus and potassium and reasons why you should apply it and why you shouldn't apply it. Um, but I, I still understand this stuff kind of more at a, I would say a high level.
0: Okay. Okay. And, you know, so I guess we'll kind of, we'll, I'll start talking about MLSN for me was a, um, uh, a mover and a shaker of sorts because it was so far from anything i learned in respect to a, a formal education right it was this crazy foreign concept and even today like when i look at it you know i think mlsn as a as a as a floor and now i did reach out to michael woods and i was like are you telling me i should maintain my soil p levels at 21 parts per million are you telling me i should maintain my soil k levels at 50 parts per million and i shouldn't apply any fertilizer to any potassium till i get to 50 parts per million he's like no it's just kind of a guiding range right like that's that's the floor we know that when you hit this the the probability of you reaching uh uh uh, issues increases exponentially right and and it's a it's a very hard thing for me to to become accustomed to because You know, like I'm coming up in it, you know, Penn State was always an elite leader. And, you know, Penn State, you're managing two to three hundred parts per million of potassium in the soil. Right. And that's that was just normal to me. And and now all of a sudden it's it's the law of of minimums. Right. And uh, how can we how can we get more out of less kind of sort of thing And it? It was shocking. And that's why when I saw you were referencing uh, Travis Shaddix's work on um, uh, a modified form of MLSN, you know, it, it caught me in another one of those, you know, floor on the uh, jaw on the, on the table kind of sort of situations where I was like, ah, damn, now I gotta, I gotta dive into this too. And then to, to kind of bring it all full circle. One thing that where I did, there was at one point in my career where I did go hyper crazy regarding phosphorus. And it was when, I was managing centipede in Augusta, Georgia and centipede mm. is a very phosphorus unfriendly turf, right? It does not enjoy, uh, uh, phosphorus. You can join, tell her to come on, grab her, tell her a microphone.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Just give me a beer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, how <laughs> nice. Oh,
0: nice. So, you know, it, um, and for for those people that don't know, um, we'll kind of go ahead and throw this out there. If you if you do not know what the MLSN is, um, I'd type it type it in. It, it was a joint project between uh, Pace Turf and uh, and Michael Woods, right? And uh, that sounded good. And. So I uh, oh J Pink threw the link in there, so you can go check it out there. And basically, what they did is they conducted, uh, was it thousands, thousands of surveys across the United States.
1: So they took uh a seventeen thousand soil test records, right, seventeen thousand plus, and ran like a was- regression analysis to identify like not the bottom ten percent, but to find good performing turf and then a smaller subset of those and i'm not a stats major but you know i'll just stop right there
0: yeah, it was a massive outreach to aggregate a bunch of data from soil test and uh and uh, uh, turf quality or maybe not even turf yes. quality playability um turf quality maybe they just said more good good
1: turf is what they said. Good turf. Good turf. Right. So, and this was it, all it, superintendent. So, you're going to get a range there, but not too far down the wormhole. But go ahead. Sorry.
0: They're not out there with NDVI meters on every <laughs> uh, every one of these 17,000 equating, you know, uh, a, a, a measured, uh, a, a precise, accurate, you know, reference number to, to each one. But, you know, it's saying, do you have good turf quality? and then correlating that to the values in the soil test to be able to put together this idea of generating the absolute floor levels of specific nutrients, at least the most uh, critical nutrients in terms of, uh, of turf crash performance. And they, um, you know, and they're doing this off our macronutrients, right? So uh, potassium, phosphorus, uh, calcium, magnesium, and sulfur, as sulfate. And of course your soil pH, right? And so that became, or it, it I would still say it is still extremely controversial in the professional turf grass market. I would say this is not widely accepted. Um, I think it is, I think it's on the upper echelon of fringe, right? Where it's not like outer space fringe. But it's funny, every time I see Michael Woods make a post on on not every time, but I still see people subtweet Michael Woods. Uh, or quote tweet him and get into these diatribes about how out there he is for suggesting things like uh, MLSN or especially when he dives into to things like, uh, airification, you know, it, it gets, it gets real bizarre out into the weeds there. But from my perspective, all of this is great, right? Because this is, this is refreshing research, right? And it's, something that it's 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 a continued push towards the evolution of the industry right especially in a time when all eyes are on the industry in a in a mostly in a negative light greater than 50% in a negative light when all eyes are on the industry we there are people out there that are working towards quantifying how we can do more with less and then of course you've got the economics of it as well too right more golf courses are on tighter budgets. How are you going to get the same level of playability on on a lower budget? Am I missing anything here? No, I think it's, you know,
1: and I know where both you guys stand on this for the most part, right? And <laughs> it's certainly not something that, uh, like what you were saying, Matt, that you need to manage to that number. It is more of, the guardrail like on the low end of you need to be careful if you get, you know, near or definitely below these, right? It's trying to understand that. And I don't know many situations, maybe some low P that we've seen in all the soil tests that we've looked at this year, but certainly like situations where you're near those, right? In a lot of cases, just I'm not gonna say it doesn't exist, but it's not typical right and in my case right of looking at scale it's certainly something that we're we're always looking at right of what's the least amount of inputs that we need to get the output that we want I mean that should be anybody's uh chief goal with turf and I understand like if you know we put more down then we should have more positive results and that you know I I've learned that and I'm sure ray you have too right that there, you know we we talk about luxury consumption sometimes of certain nutrients but even beyond that there is there is a point of diminishing returns and it's species specific it's environmentally specific and there's a lot of different things different variables that factor in here to just make blanket statements of you should apply x y or z uh to your turf
2: right 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 and uh I'm not sure I'm even, uh, you know, I should even be talking because uh, I maintain an entirely different type of turf uh, that I don't know. How well does what I do translate to full season turf?
0: Well, Um, I think maybe maybe in northern Minnesota.
1: Yeah, where it's the same growth pattern, right?
4: Canada, a A bud.
2: Yeah. Because. We have a surf out there. Yeah. Imported from Canada. But uh, seriously, uh, low input turf is something that, not on purpose and not because of any kind of a mandate, I've had to adopt because resources are scarce so uh, you know and i'm always thinking what is the actual footprint of this turf grass area because i see time and time again here you know where i'm at a lot of lawns and landscapes are maintained with an outsized footprint. Mm. You know, and you know what I you know what I'm talking about by an outsized footprint, Brian? Not only on. go ahead. Not only are those lawns and landscapes highly consumptive of you know materials, mm. they need so much other inputs that you know, Matt doesn't think about because, for example, hell in uh, Tennessee, I know for a fact you're allowed to push brush to the far corner of the property and light it. I can't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, don't burn no. your shit down. <laughs> Ray, yeah, don't, do that. Ray, you don't can, do that. you can You can burn your house down around mm-hmm. here and it's perfectly socially acceptable.
1: That's why they got the fire department out there just to to keep people from not doing stupid shit, but from uh, well, getting them back to doing stupid shit quicker. That's really what it's all about. So, uh, so Greg, let's talk about your situation. What you went down this wormhole. So, how? Okay, hey, my question is this: You learn, 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 and then how do you compress this and actually put it into practice? Like, what have you done? What have you taken away from all of your uh, research and study so <laughs> far? Just-
4: Good, very he great froze. question.
1: He, yeah. Look at that. He looks like he has to poop.
2: He's, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I hope
0: that's he a, didn't know. It's a man of all seriousness right there. Look out. Seriously, we need a screenshot. Some bitch internet connection is going
4: to kill me.
1: <laughs> if that internet <laughs> if connection's only. name was- Steve
0: Willie just commented that he got broke into recently. His trailers going two leaf blowers, a pressure washer, a John Deere mower, weed eater, et cetera. Uh, Steve, did they get your slit-seater? He's got an OG Lesko slit-seater. Oh, boy. Steve, oh, man, man, I hate that for you. They already stripped his... his. Perm- he had an old permagreen that he used for parts, and they, they stripped the motor off of it not too long ago. What's going oh, on gosh. in East East Tennessee? This is up in uh, Gillespie's land up here. You know where he is? He's in uh the Jay City area. Yeah they,
1: yeah, they probably... You know what they did? They took all that stuff, they went and fenced it all, and you know what they did? They took all that cash, went down to the fuzzy hole, had themselves a real good time.
4: And now, I, I don't think, think Steve
2: a, is I part don't think they owner even have, of that.
1: He's the part owner of Fuzzy I Hole?
0: I think so.
2: I don't I don't think now it's a matter of even oh, the fuzzy hole. I think uh, they didn't even have a good time because you know what uh, uh, a trailer full of want, lawn equipment is?
1: Oh, I don't know, but are you gonna say that they got a crawl hall and they w- you No,
2: know, uh, you no, know, it's it. Once you once you scrub off all the serial numbers, I call that about a week or two worth of mess. Pieces of crap. Yeah, yeah. all of them. I Pieces I, thought of crap. W- <laughs> I thought they. I thought
1: they might have went into the back, into the secret part of the fuzzy hole. It's like the After Hours Club back there. Now that one's called the Stinky Tickle, and if you make it back there, mm-hmm. well. You're going to need a couple extra pressure washers and blowers and all that kind of stuff to have a good time there.
0: <laughs> you're oh, back. He's back. Oh, wait. He's, in, uh, no, he's, he's just kidding. He went away. Just kidding. Now okay. he's, back. he's, back. he's, he's a, back. Now he's
1: in a different room. Link wants to re his
0: network. Oh, he's, he's still, getting connected. Still not live. He is, he is re-engineering as quick as possible. He is, he is working the keyboard like no other programmer has ever worked the keyboard. <laughs> what happens when I you run change Linux? laptops?
3: Much better. Are you, are you
0: running Linux? Is that is that the problem? No, I used to. <laughs> this guy right here, this guy. Ubuntu right Linux. No, I don't run Linux. I run Ubuntu. Who who was it? Oh, Gibby Gibby told me I needed to run Ubuntu, and so I created this partition and got it fired up. And then I realized, like, you have to load each individual driver you need, and yep. And yep. I, I do a lot of my day job in uh, in the Adobe Creative Cloud, and I'm like, well, it's, this is not supported by Linux. And he's like, yeah, but there's all these alternatives. You start messing around with these alternatives, you got to learn all new software. And I'm like, I'm going back to Windows. Now I'm on Windows <laughs> 11 though, so cool, right?
4: All right, What's
1: so I thing? I We're just at, I asked an <laughs> incisive and wonderful question. Greg, and then you froze and we weren't sure what happened. So I'll go back to it and say, you know, you study this, you research everything, and now you've got to apply your knowledge. Like, so what have you actually taken away and done so far, you know, in terms of putting some of these things into practice in your lawn? Or are you still in that learning phase?
3: I'm still in the learning phase. Like I said, this is, I think, yeah, this is my third season now. And it's a lot of trial, a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors. So as far as like app- application or doing anything in my lawn, it's it's still a lot of still a lot of trial. Like I've made mistakes, I've tried to identify different grasses like bank grass, crack grass. Mm-hmm. Um I'm still still trying to get like the nitrogen rates down. How much nitrogen should I apply? Um at what time of the year? At what rates? Uh, that's still kind of a learning process, and I'm I'm getting a better handle of it. But yeah, I, I would say I'm still in the learning phase. But um, the honeymoon phase is kind of over a little bit um, right now. I just I'm not looking for a, like a showcase lawn. Um, I'm not looking to not to like dominate my neighbor. Sorry, neighborhood dominator.
4: But um, <laughs> that position—it's just not my thing.
3: Yeah, I know. I can't take that. No, I just—I so. just want a functional lawn. You know, okay. where it's it's thick, dense, mostly weed-free. Um, just something I can enjoy, and my kids can enjoy, and that's about it.
0: You talked well, about nitrogen management and that being yep. a bit of a, a, a chore, I guess, is how I'll phrase that. What, to this point, has made that piece particularly a chore?
3: Um, just trying to figure out. So I have, my house was built in 91. So grass has been grown on this soil for, you know, 30 years now. Um, so there's a lot of organic matter that possibly has been built up. But then again, I don't know how it's been maintained because I moved into this house three years ago. And uh, the backyard, it it was a mess. The backyard was thin. It was weedy. It was a mess. The front lawn, it looks like they were taking care of it a little more. But I don't think they had a lawn care service. Anybody previously that lived in my house had a lawn care service for a long time. Um, but like uh, I remember Doug saying, like, if you have a, if you have a, you know, if you have a turf grass that's been maintained for like at least 15 years, you can dial back or even 10 years, you can dial back that nitrogen rate. Because a lot of that's, a lot of that organic matter has been built up and, you know, you can, you can pull a lot of that nitrogen from that organic matter. Um, but I noticed like in the front, it, I can maintain a pretty good dense uh, turf grass at about a little over two pounds of N annually. In the backyard, I tried to play around with that rate as well, and it it did not stay thick. It's it's still pretty weedy in the back. I mean, it looks okay there, but I still got wild violet. I still get clover. I still get nutsedge. Um, I still get a little bit of crabgrass, but I controlled a lot of that with berdiamine. Uh, Some applications for about, I think it's been two years now, and I don't get as much crabgrass anymore. But the back's been a challenge a little bit, but I also get more traffic back there as well. Um, so yeah, that was a previous picture. You can kind of see that mole right there at the top. Um, I could talk a little bit more about that, but it was that that actually is a pretty decent picture. It was worse than that. I think that was like about a year after I moved in
0: what What kind of grass do you have?
3: It's mainly Kentucky bluegrass. Uh there's still there's some fine fescue in there and probably a little bit of perennial mm-hmm. redgrass as well.
4: Mm-hmm. So it's
3: kind of it's it's a mix. It's I guess what they call a Heinz 57. I've heard that term before. Yep. So it's just a salabar. It's it's common type, Kentucky bluegrass. Uh there's really not any um, you know uh improved cultivars in there. Um but I did overseed this fall, so what did come up uh, would be incorporated in what I already had.
1: What did you overseed with?
3: I did MVS 365 SS.
4: Ooh. Okay. Ooh. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's I the, think I did it too
3: early. I did it early August. It was, I think it was August 11th. I overseed no, it fine. and it was still, you're fine. okay. You're fine. And I did, I think I watered, it was about three, Three times a day for about, I got an in ground sprinkler system put in. So about each zone ran for about eight to nine minutes, something like that.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. You know, the, in those situations, when you're overseeding or interseeding right into an existing lawn, yep. especially in cool season, you know, there's some th- certain tricks that you can use. I mean, One is, you know, not necessarily scalping it at that time of the year. I'm not uh, a proponent of that, but you can mow it a little bit lower and try to increase sunlight down in the soil and all that jazz. I don't know that that's necessary. I mean, the one thing that Ray, you know, can't really do it in a warm season necessarily. But, uh, you know, you trick the grass a little bit and high rates of uh, growth regulator, right, to slow down your existing grass and create a window of competition or lack of competition, I should say with actually uh uh, turf
2: ryan i would probably do one worse i'd probably do one worse than a growth regulator what would you do i'd i'd probably perform a top kill
4: (laughs) (laughs) well if
1: you don't have that option if you don't have that option right Mm -hmm. other other tools so okay
3: so something like primo max
1: Primo max or yep. uh T-Nex, any of the other uh yep. generic or post patent p g r s in that class would be perfect so absolutely so the and the nice thing there is that uh you know you get that stuff up and going and hopefully you get a mow in or something like that on that uh on that stuff and and three sixty five is quick to come up like if you're watering it and you've gotten good seed to soil days. contact seven days you're up you're going now it's gonna sit there and not do a whole lot for a couple of weeks but um You know, from there forward, you can either reapply, um, you know, your growth regulator again, and you're not going to see a whole lot of impact necessarily on seedling. You know, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that uh, the impact of growth regulators on seedlings is negligible in terms of their overall development. Uh, You just got to be careful on your rates. That's about the only thing. So, uh, I I think it's a good plan to continue to try and introduce those cultivars. Is there anything stopping you from? Doing what Ray said, just pulling the bandaid off.
3: Yeah, it's burning it down. Uh, yeah,
4: I Actually, don't know. I'm, I'm
3: impatient. Uh, Kentucky bluegrass just takes way too long to look nice. I mean, I right looked in. at the. You
2: know when Go I ahead, said Ray. top kill, I yeah. don't mean with glyphosate. What do you mean? I just mean, I just mean a contact non-systemic herbicide that leaves the root system intact, and you just inner seat.
1: oh so we're talking yeah finale you saw or die quad i
3: mean
2: philosophy. that's uh, yeah i mean die quad is not for the faint of heart although it's extremely effective and economical
1: <laughs> Gregory, don't have children
3: <laughs> yes it's physically impossible
1: well, we're about to make it chemically impossible too. Let's go with the top kill. <laughs> but
2: <All right>. uh, <laughs> but that—that's just—that's that, just uh you know yet another option. Like if you have a a dense stand of grass and you want to intercede into it, just brown it out for a month, and that's your time window to establish something more desirable
0: in it it's kind of like it's yes. kind of like uh uh seeding you know i i think about it when uh you know like you know ray you saw around here how much bermuda just grows into fescue right and there's and just, no real defined line between yeah it's yeah it's it just this con- inner interspersed mess right and um it it made it so much easier when you're reestablishing fescue in those areas to put down, uh, an HPPD inhibitor, like, uh, pilots, right. To really mm-hmm. knock back that Bermuda seed, your tall fescue into it, give it, um, uh, the opportunity to establish and, and, and fill in those areas that are predominantly Bermuda that are fully dormant in the winter. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, kind of, uh, in, in effect, the same thing by using the tie right. Where, you're literally just knocking everything back and giving it uh, enough of a time window there. You're not going to kill it, but you're going to knock it back hard enough and strong enough that uh, you'll give the uh uh the, you'll give enough of an opportunity for whatever you see to establish. It is still you, you know the the difficulty in that would be um uh rate control, right? Uh, you you have to make a mm-hmm. very, very precise application where if you're overlapping too much one way or another, um, that can lead to some issues. That can lead to some, some legit death that occurs. Um, so if you feel completely confident in your spraying ability, you're okay that if you overlap a little bit of an area too much and some death does occur, yeah, it may make sense. If you're not confident in that space, then, and in, in you're not okay with it. If some death does occur, then it may not be for you, right? But it is. It's an option that you can employ. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a trick, right? It's just a, a tool in the toolbox, right? That you can go out there with and hopefully have the opportunity to have a greater concentration of the newer cultivars into your lawn.
3: Now, is this something I can get on like Do My Own dot com and smaller amounts? Um, Absolutely restricted use?
2: okay no at, no, it's not restricted use, and it's sold in quantities as small as one quart and your actual usage rate for a you know a burn down prior to interceding, I'm thinking that would be equivalent to no more than one to two teaspoons of material per thousand square foot. it doesn't take a lot. At all. And at yeah, that so rate, talking point you mitigate six ounces. Yeah. And at that rate, you mitigate the possibility of it going too far and killing everything because diquat is very rate dependent. A little bit makes leaves crispy, a lot is just. Uh, Oh, Paul. <laughs>
0: Oops! That was that's a chemical disaster in in India that took place at a was massive a, loss a, of what, life. What plant was that? The Union Carbide plant. Union Carbide, yeah. Union Carbide, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the worst industrial uh, disasters in history.
2: Yeah, that was that was like I think the worst chemical accident that ever happened in the world to date. And that's only but the anyway, ones they
1: told you that died, right? I mean that's okay. Mm-hmm. These are yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but we digress,
2: but but uh you know to get you know your existing stand of turf suppressed uh that's just one way of doing it. Uh other way to do it is actual scalping. I mean and here's where It's a little different for me because, you know, my idea of a scalp is not the lowest notch on the rotary mower. My idea of a scalp is, I don't call it a scalp until I almost, or actually do see dirt. (laughs) (laughs)
4: That's what I call a scalp, Ryan. Uh, that's that's a hard that's
0: cut and you hear another it's terminology a hard, it's
1: a, oh yeah there, there's there's some hard cutting going on sometimes <laughs> god um, you know I, I don't I always push back a little bit on the myth I don't want to say it's a myth that you know bluegrass is slow to establish I think a lot of it depends on the methods that you use uh, during establishment right so when you're seeding it and how you're covering it and everything like that if you're covering it and how that all goes because um you know doing projects all the time and uh you can see there's a definite difference. It's the one grass uh that I can definitively say that, you know, like ryegrass, you can grow it on concrete if you need to. Bermuda grass does all the work for you. Like, you know, there's there's a whole whole bunch of uh built in hacks, so to speak, just by species selection. But with bluegrass, like all those little details get magnified if you want to get it up and going. And so like, um, you know, there's situations here. I'll, I'll, I'll show some pictures here and it's just showing you what's possible, right. If you can commit to doing it the right way. And, uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't be too worried about the whole
4: timing aspect of things like that's, that's not that big of a deal. Where are... are we still on here? Are we, is this thing is this thing
0: on? Is
1: this thing on? I'm gonna. <laughs> I was
0: waiting to see what, what see what you were pulling up. I've, we're I oh, pull we're waiting nice. on you, Ryan.
1: I'm waiting on. All right, I'm waiting on myself then. Hang on. Let me send this over. I didn't realize I was waiting in suspense. I should have.
0: It was not a very good transition. Greg, are you on. into wild ass experimentation?
3: Uh, probably not. I like tried and true principles. So I usually don't go to any sort of extreme or anything like that. Do you have an engineering degree? So just degree? basic agronomic principles.
2: What's that?
0: Do you, do you have an engineering degree?
3: Uh, well, I am in. so I have a C, what's called a CCNP. So it's Cisco cert. Okay. Um, but I uh-huh. did, I did not go to school for, uh, not
0: interesting okay just wondering most most people i know that are extremely risk adverse are typically engineers well i think of my dad right my dad is the most risk adverse human you've ever come across he's electrical engineer that's why i just asked i was curious
3: yeah i typically play it safe even at my job too i'm pretty conservative
0: No, i'm i'm full throttle wild ass open i mean i i burned i burned a building down in my house like you know Ooh, what do we got here <laughs> i yes, heard about
3: for that fun. i did hear that story for fun well Just, you know uh, nice
2: little tuesday for me i am i wouldn't call myself how shall i say uh wild but risks and possibilities are thoroughly calculated before i take action in other words I know what's going to happen before I actually do it. That's a good way to live. I mean, that's, that's just how I work. I mean, so don't mind me if it seems like a lot of the stuff that I do is just nuts. Because what that is, is that I've calculated it out and I've figured it out.
0: What are we looking at here, Demay?
4: Oh, yeah. So this is Kentucky bluegrass. I'm sorry.
1: I was just clicking back over this window. This is bluegrass. Uh, now, a couple of things here that are really important to note. Right? So this is, oh, let me think here. About 20 days. Something like that. 19, 20 days. And a couple of things here. You've got uh, hydro mulch over top of this seed. And that makes a huge difference. I mean, absolutely. have seen this in a number of different settings and scenarios that it, um, it's a crucial step towards uh, not only early germination, but also quicker establishment. Purely anecdotal, turf truth. If you want to slice him and dice me, then go ahead. This is the same set of fields here. This is at day 57 or so, 58 something like that so again it's completely possible there's no tricks here or anything like that this is just basic agronomy you know only granular fertilizer not spraying anything funky or anything like that pretty decent weather overall not too hot not too cold all that kind of stuff but seeded early too so about the same time that you seeded yours greg um in mid august so Again, I just – I like to push back a little bit on that notion. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying in general that bluegrass is slow and bluegrass is this. is It'll do a lot for you if you take the steps, the right steps. It's just a little bit prissy up front. You got to treat it right. So that's my message there. So are you interested in – because I think you mentioned, don't you have some weed issues, some grassy weed issues that you were – I thought – Something that came over about that.
3: Yeah, I've been battling that for a little while. Um, so I had bank grass in my backyard. I don't know if I uploaded that picture or not, but it's just, you could tell like in the mornings when there's dew on the grass, it's got that yeah. light green color. Yeah, right there. So I didn't know what that yeah, was yeah, yeah. at first. I didn't know if it was nimble will or bank grass. Um, I think Matt, you said something about Not using tenacity, but going the glyphosate route. So that's what I did. Is I just I used glyphosate and I killed off those spots, and I reseeded, and I think I did that. I think it was a year ago, last fall is when I reseeded, and it came up okay. I think I used like a Scotch or something like that, and it wasn't. I should have waited until it you know tilled out and that, but I was it wasn't coming in as much as I thought it would come in. Uh, so then I dormant it with some cheap Menards uh, Kentucky Bluegrass, which oh, was a mistake because yeah. it's freaking super stocky. And it, it was just not looking good at all. But uh, this year, it doesn't look too bad. Has the, But I got rid of most of the grass.
0: Has the, has the grass come back?
3: In its spots this year, it did. So in the small spots, I, it did come up or did come back. I did use Tenacity, and I think I spread it three times. The third time was uh, the max annual rate. So, it was, so I didn't go over that. So I spread it three times. I think it was like a week or two apart. I can't remember. I think it was a week apart.
0: Uh, that seemed to work. So this is what's interesting. I have never had success with Pilex or Tenacity on bent grass. What? Good.
4: Yeah. I'm
1: telling oh, wait. You. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna pull up some photos, Matt Martin. I'm gonna show you some now. Lasting results. That that you got to keep your foot on the gas. I'll give you that. Go on,
3: Ryan. Didn't you save four applications? Five. Did you
4: do?
0: I think you five. At, oh, five. Five okay. at three point two fluid ounces per acre. My point is next year coming back is, is where I was going with that. Yeah, you got to be so ready to go. My thought was, my thought, yeah, yeah. My thought was like, it's, it, well, it's a bit like trying to manage Bermuda in a cool season grass, right? Like if you get on the Pilex program, you're on the Pilex program for a minimum of three years, right? Just write it into the books. Understand what you're stepping into. Bermuda grass is a three-year program. I guess what I'm asking is, is bent grass the same thing? A three-year program? Uh, Mm
1: It does not have to be a three-year program. It just depends on how far and how hard you're willing to go in the paint here. I'm going to see if I can find real quick. Oh, here you go. Here's a good one. This one. uh, These aren't great pictures. Oh, here's a
4: good one. This field is hammered. And then I'm going to send this
0: yeah it's just I, I, don't, I don't know why but it's it's been it's been a struggle at least i i wonder too if uh does it does it have to do with our growing conditions down here i don't know I can see like, this picture here before it's come up, and I'm telling uh-huh. you Demay, never have i seen tenacity ah! Uh, maybe by the third application, but again, also I've never seen bent grass that dense in a in a property either. I mean, that is that's yeah, like, pretty bad.
1: That's all over. That's the a place. lot of bent grass. Yes,
4: it is.
0: Was, is this is this what yours look like after your third application, Greg?
2: Uh,
4: honestly, I, I don't remember. I th- it looked like it killed all of it. It, it yeah, turned, I mean, yeah, it turned, it
3: turned yellow and and it was gone. Um, and then Kentucky bluegrass, I, I'm pretty sure, it just filled in. But we'll see, yeah, we'll see next year, though.
0: I'd, I'd be, I'd be curious. And you know, I'll tell you, I talked to another guy in North Carolina one time that was uh, explaining to me the situation he ran into with bent grass, and it was much the same. Where he sold the job, and he did you know, three applications or something like that of of uh of tenacity and uh you know it came back the next year and i remember him you know up in arms because his customer was ready to kick his ass absolutely kick his ass uh because of the resurgence of, of the of the bent grass and i was like damn, man you know same thing happened to me i used to have these lakefront properties and always along the lake for whatever reason uh there would be little patches of bent grass that would move in there and I could nail them with whatever. I could discolor the hell out of it. I could make them look as dead as they wanted to be. But until I caught it with a fall application of glyphosate, chances are I wasn't going to get rid of it with any of the applications I was making. For whatever reason, I don't know. It could have been it could have been applicator error too. I mean, that's always a real possibility. But that oh, was well, interesting. Ray, have you ever had to kill bent grass as a weed in Hawaii? I'm curious.
2: No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, but to me. With the way that you know people up north talk about bent grass, it kind of reminds me of what I have to go through to kill Zoisha. Yeah.
4: Okay.
2: Yeah, because I can see where that would be an absolute chore. Yeah. Because like, I I call Zoisha the zombie grass, and. I'm going through this right now because one of my customers decided that there's a certain area that he previously had sodded with Zeon Zoisha that he now wants to re-landscape that with ground covers and shrubs and stepping stones. And guess what I'm doing with, with his right now? Glyphosate and pilex.
4: giving it the hot wallet,
2: mm-hmm, and like last uh, last Friday was literally his second or third application in that area, and I'm glad I saw it because at looking at it from afar. It looked like it was turning brown, but then I I showed him. I said, hey, wait a minute, man. I see little green leaves coming up from underneath, Matt. Little green leaves of the zoysia coming up from underneath. I said, you know what? This is not done yet. Uh, And if you were to have this re-landscape, all this would grow back and contaminate your new landscaping. And I'd have a devil of a time trying to selectively kill it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. There's nothing, nothing fun about about going after it is much the same way. Nothing fun really about going after bent grass. Let
2: me ask. Greg, however,
0: do you? Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: However, the way I would approach bent grass in a cool season turf is, I would deliberately apply a lot of the things that you're not supposed to do to bent grass, like. Uh, in the fall, late summer, early fall, I'd be subjecting it to repeated rounds of tenacity plus two four D plus triclopyr.
0: Yeah, that's on what purpose. I was I was gonna say. There is um, with with the wild violet presence, right? um mm-hmm. you know kind of knock out two birds with one stone where you know you can get down you know triclopir mm-hmm. at will and you know and, and if it's it, it's only going to help uh with with that kind of tank mix companion there of 24D Triclopyr, and tenacity i mean that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a win win right because you got that's wild that's out what i control. did actually i left right.
3: out the 24D but i did use a triclopyr, triclopyr ester with tenacity
0: very good. Okay. Very seemed good. seemed to help with the wild good.
3: violet, but that that wild violet's a, a bastard. It keeps coming back. It's been three years here's now, the, and I still haven't totally it, killed it all.
2: Here's the thing: is we're talking about weeds with an extensive root system. I'm also speaking to bent grass, and your, you know, your word is going to be persistence. In other words, I think you're going to have to commit to outlasting that, uh, you know, that bent grass and that wild violet. Uh, and as I said, if that were me faced with that kind of, you know, contamination of my KBG, it would be getting, you know, 2,4-D, Triclopyr, and either Pylex or Tenacity. Every single fall. Every single fall. And in the springtime, uh, I would be running Triclopyr and the Tenacity or Pylex in the spring as well. And by the way, if you're on such a program, I highly doubt you're going to have a grassy weed or broadleaf Weed issue because, uh, true or false, uh, that kind of a herbicide mix is basically yes to a lot of your common lawn weeds.
0: It is, but if I recall correctly, uh, do you deal with quackgrass?
4: Yes.
2: Okay.
3: I have some in my backyard, and um, I did use glyphosate to kill that off.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So and and it's done now. Like you're not having to deal with that anymore.
3: Uh so I didn't know what it was at first. I thought it was like uh a, a bunching tall fescue type. Mm-hmm. And uh so I did post something on Instagram and someone did mention that it's probably quackgrass, and I kind of had that same um uh, idea as well. Uh so I did I did a little bit of research, and I know Doug Salda talked about it on one of his uh YouTube presentations and there's there's a few ways you can go at it. Um I one was like you know the black plastic. Um the other was to uh quack doesn't like to be mowed short. Um mm-hmm. so you could you could mow it short and you could suppress it but it's gonna it would take years to do. He said like oh you could do it for five years mowed short in that area and then uh it would slowly get rid of the quack rest because it doesn't like that. Uh, the the more invasive way to do it would be glyphosate and just, just keep at it. Cause it's going to come back, spray it again. It's going to come back, spray it again. Cause it does have that extensive root system. Um, so I did, I did spray it I think twice with glyphosate and I still have those, um, dead spots in my lawn right now. I got a few of them, uh, where the bent grass was and the quack grass. And so now I, I plan on dormant seeding. Now, I feel like that's kind of the only option I have right now or wait till spring, I guess. But I'm going to try dormant seeding, Uh, just uh, basically rake it in, rake the seed in and put compost over it and see what happens in the spring. Yeah, but I haven't done that yet, so I'm open to options.
0: Well, any kind of selective herbicide control for quack grass is going to be experimental at best. Right I, and it would be it'd be a pretty arduous well i i would i think it's, do are you- is your mic off Ryan? It may be off. Are you all familiar with any selective Wii controls? I mean, I'm thinking like a flazafop kind of experiment actually uh the the one that I've heard of now you're off Ryan. I'm sorry. You may have yeah. been on, and then I had you turn it off. That's my fault. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. The one that I heard of is I'm here. Repeated applications of something called phenoxaprop, which is uh, also known a claim. And the reason why I bring up a claim is because a claim is usable on KBG. KBG is tolerant. And the reason why I bring this up is, I've heard of people not identifying their turf grass correctly and applying fluazifop to their KBG or other cool season grass, and finding out exactly how much of their lawn was that other type of cool season grass. Whereas if you do that with That a claim extra, a claim extra is far more selective. Unfortunately, a claim extra is also far more expensive. I'm talking, you know, approximately $100 for 16 ounces. And your use rate on that is 16 ounces per acre per application.
4: Yeah. I, you know, the,
1: the glyphosate method, while it is painful, uh, is worth it. You know, the other thing that I, I always recommend to folks, if you can, if you know, you have that issue, right. Is, um, you know, a a couple ways you can do it is make yourself a tiny little, uh, sod nursery that you can plug out of like in a deep corner of your lawn and hide it, screen it out, you know, landscaping, whatever you want to do. Or uh simply take and remove those spots. And I don't know how widespread yours was, but take and remove those spots and stick them in the far corner of the lawn and then either glyphosate them or play around with your herbicides over there, right? In the deep corner where they're all kind of buried and stuck, you know, back in the holes that you've pulled um, you know, desirable turf from. So another option right so that you're not uh having to you know just get rid of those small circular spots where you had to spray uh glyphosate and kill it off like that so again just a just another little management tip if you're uh if you're looking to uh get rid of that stuff cuz it's a pain in the ass and it uh does not allow for any good selective control other than uh mechanical means or that's it really
0: right ryan claim Acclaim drives me crazy because it used to work phenomenally, and I feel like mm-hmm. the efficacy of of acclaim has is is a fraction of what it
2: once
3: was.
4: You know what I even think even happened,
2: Quinn Corak. What? I
4: mean, You're right. Thing.
2: Yeah. You know what I think happened. I think at one time everybody got lazy and they thought they could control their crabgrass by spot spraying a claim or spot spraying quinclorac even but here's where it goes sideways a lot of these spot spray mixes were probably not even formulated to my standards. In other words, I know a lot of lawn guys that they cheat on even their surfactant selection. And when you cheat on your surfactant selection, when you're dealing with the likes of Quinclorac or Acclaim, then that product doesn't work as well as it ought to And you know when it doesn't work as well as it ought to? Here's what happens. You give rise to a generation of weed that was exposed to a less than lethal application, that weed can then either set seed or overwinter and then become the majority of the population in that neighborhood, never mind the entire state, never mind the entire country.
0: Do, Demay, Red, let me ask you this. Have you heard of, uh, uh people managing golf greens with post only programs in your area on, on bent grass and only running a claim uh, because that is a thing that I heard about for the first time in, uh, actually it, it was at a golf course in Kentucky and talking to the super there. And he was doing like six apps of a claim a year as a post only program to manage manages greens i've seen Herb grass before. and
2: goosegrass. yeah
0: it was like it was it like before. primo pr- primo and acclaim was like the only thing that was going down on it. i wouldn't recommend it
1: i mean and he was starving uh, yeah.
0: the absolute hell out of him to try and manage the poa
4: no.
1: in kentucky yeah yeah
0: this is yeah uh,
1: there's a now yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on there that's uh yeah that hurts my head to think about for a second there uh i'm, yeah. I'm cringing
2: i'm cringing
1: yeah. <laughs> well and you got to be careful with the claim on bent because like sometimes she can get a little nope. beisty no nope. you know, you know my understanding
2: of a claim is that tolerance of bent to a claim is marginal at best i would so... say it's
1: just it's finicky. It's finicky. And you know what, Ray? Here's the thing about the golf course, right? You get to burn a return, right? You don't have to look her in the face for days, maybe weeks, right?
4: Mm-hmm. I
1: got to go in there and look at that every day. And that's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard. And then everybody's looking Whoa. at you because they know it's awkward because you dinged it all up. And like, you know, it, it, it just, it, it's, it's ah, a Trust thing.
0: me. Trust me. That's ah, good. Trust me.
1: Yes.
4: Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. You know what?
2: And 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 you know what? The, you know what makes it far worse is that at that low rate, a claim isn't even that effective. So, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, if somebody came to me and said that they had quack grass, do you know what I tell them to do? Start mowing their turf short. Number one. And then in between mowings, let that quack grass stick up above their desirable lawn grass and do another green dock on them. Concentrated glyphosate on a paintbrush.
1: I'll take you yeah, one better, Ray. I'm gonna I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna take it. I'll take it even one higher, right? If it's widespread. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a you ever seen a weed wick before, Ray?
2: Uh, Actually, one of my friends at University of Hawaii has been messing around with this wiper bar that is pressure-fed, and he's wicking on 30% glyphosate. And the target of that is all your various tall-growing weeds in fairways.
1: I like it. I'm going so, to send the J-Pink real quick. Go ahead. Keep going. But then
2: but then that's that's probably like my other avenue as far as going after quack grass is why not let it grow up, you know, above your, you know, your desirable turf and then wipe or contact concentrated glyphosate onto that.
1: Can. I mean you absolutely Yeah, I mean that I mean that's the just thing, uh, Yeah. It's it's all good. Uh wait, let me see here. What? Oh. Uh <laughs> Jay Pink, throw this picture up real quick. If, yeah, throw that throw
0: that up. This is this is a weed wick. And this this may be a good option for you. Have you this ever seen a, a this weed wick? is
4: a
1: Weed Wick is different. Yeah,
0: also. it's, it's a, nice. this is a Dauber. Yeah. Yeah. The old dauber looks more like a, I mean a wick looks more like a hockey stick.
1: Yeah, and oh. you can you can get bigger ones. We'd like applicator where are we at here?
4: Just... Yeah,
2: I I've bad. even seen ones that were intended to be towed behind uh Yes you know golf Use carts and so. tractors, right? Yeah, so the, right? those
1: are, are widely used on sod farms. And mm-hmm. that's where I got the idea from originally was you know, so what they'll do, Ray, is you know, these fields are getting planted once every you know. 12 to 18 months right and so there's mm-hmm. all kinds of grassy weed pressure in these there you go get you a little pinpoint there's the dauber right let me send mm-hmm. this one real quick here's a little guy weed wick
4: look at this that's perfect so you're pumping. yeah i mean you just drag that
1: rope that rope goes into this little chamber right here it's got roundup or whatever you want to have whatever your active ingredient you want to have in there and then you drag that across the turf and the rope has soaked it up and it's a pretty handy dandy application method so uh all that said you know i quack grass is no fun to deal with you know it's just not and you know because of its extensive uh you know extensive rhizomes you're gonna always run into these issues where no matter what you try to do, it's still gonna to continue to pop back up. So I think it's gonna be more of a management thing. Unless, unless you kill it next spring and let it follow for the entire summer, and then you come back and you grow the best Kentucky bluegrass lawn in all De across the cross It's De beautiful. May. <laughs> Maybe have Bob Ross's spirit come out and put some happy little crowd, clouds over your house. Like, it's everything you want and more. Right? Yeah. Hey, Ray, we're, real we're trying quick, to take you go ahead. Oh, go yeah. Ahead. We're trying to we're trying to completely indoctrinate you so that you go way further beyond we're trying to be your enablers here right that's really what we're here to do this isn't an intervention this is quite the opposite we would like you to increase your use of intravenous turf drugs like kentucky bluegrass <laughs> like glyphosate um and other assorted chemicals fertilizers and turf products so actually a with that, that. Love it's you. The backyard i don't, there's don't a, care there's a bunch of actually, people that love you and we really want to see you get all fucked up on this shit.
2: <laughs> Actually, I'm going to be even worse in that. How much? You said you had about three quarters of an acre. Of
3: no, that was the lo- first house I lived in. Uh, the current house I live, I have 5,500 square feet.
2: 5,500 square feet. Oh, oh, okay. Do you know what a you know what a 5,500 5, square, okay, you know 5, square foot lawn sounds like to me? No. A test plot. Sounds to, no, sounds to me like that's a, a GM one thousand size. Oh, here
0: we go. I knew it, and I wow. was gonna go this way. Uh, Have you considered <laughs> going real low, Greg? Are you gonna bust out the grains mower and take this to the next level?
3: I'm not. I don't plan a real mow. No.
2: All right. Well, okay. that's and, what I'm and, using. Thank you. That's what I'll be using okay. for a while. Okay, and the reason why I've even gone there is I have a certain understanding regarding weed pressure and height of cut. And it is actually opposite of what everybody's been told, you know, according to the mass media. And the reason why is because if you try to make that, you know, nice push rotary mower mow low, you're tearing and gouging out the turf grass, right? When you mow low with a real mower, you're not gouging, you're not tearing, you're finally. Trimming the grass straight across the tops without that tearing or ripping action, and by doing that, you are actually encouraging turf grass density because I remember when you first got on, you know you are you know you just want your grass dense, and to me, there comes a point when a rotary mower is not my friend if I want a lawn to be dense and to, you know, bury weeds. I mean, because uh, a lot of people have mean things to say about things like Bermuda grass uh, and the various other warm season grasses, but I think of it more as, for example, a management issue in that do not cast dispersions at the turf that you're not going to mow optimally. And in the case of and in the okay. case of Kentucky bluegrass, uh I keep on joking with these guys in that t- and I tell them Should I ever end up in a region where I can grow it? I'm going to have a Kentucky blue or all bent lawn and it's going to be mowed at a half an inch.
4: The only problem I
3: see with that, not on what you said, but as far as management, now I got to be real mowing this thing every one to two days. I don't know much about real mowing except what what I've seen on the YouTube. You don't?
2: you don't have to be mowing it once every one to two days because anybody that has that experience real mowing, my guess is they're mismanaging their nitrogen, actually. In that so you're
3: talking like low doses, spread out, small rates.
2: Lower rates. Yeah. Uh, A
3: little
2: little more PGRs potentially, but then your first lever that you should be pulling is your nitrogen rates in that somebody that tells me that they have difficulty keeping up with uh, real cutting. I then look at their nutrient program and the nutrient program that they're following is more appropriate for what I call a hay field. Because, like, I can tell you on, for example, a golf green and a golf tee where those are, you know, mowed low, the superintendent is not throwing down a pound of nitrogen every month. That's not happening. That superintendent. Is probably applying fractional rates of nitrogen, like one tenth to two tenths of a pound of N per application, you know, spaced out to the proper times of the year such that the grass, you know, can utilize it optimally according to the uh, climatic conditions at that time. So, you know, I. Because even for myself, if I were to ever throw down one pound of nitrogen on the kinds of turf that I take care of, I would have extreme difficulty keeping up with mowing. And that's even with a PGR in place.
3: Now you're talking like water soluble. Uh, would you Would you put down a pound, say, of like? Uh maybe not 100% but 80% um something like a polymer sulfur coated urea
2: not even that not even that no that's a, i'm, that's I'm to- a
0: totally different yeah. kind of approach there so rays only talking about purely water soluble sources right so um but even doing a pound of something like a PCSEU You're, you're only extending it to 45 days, maybe 60, depending on your temperature. So, uh, you know, now you're going to be closer to, you you know, a pound that's going to be delivering over a month, month and a half versus, you know, something that's going to give you a response for about a month. Right. So you're not really extending it that far into it. Right. So. I can see where a pound for someone like Ray in an intensive management type of situation, even as a PCSEU, wouldn't be all that fun. Especially at the height of cuts he's talking about, it would be uh, the the probability of injuring those prills and causing them to dump would be relatively high as well.
2: Because when you're talking about real cut grass, understand that In most cases, that turf grass becomes so dense, you no longer see soil. You can't even part the grass with your fingers to see soil. It fills in that densely. And so if you do throw something like PCSU or SCU or or any kind of a polycoat fertilizer, all of those prills are going to be sitting on top of the grass where the next time you, you cut grass, you're also going to be cutting open those prills and uh, we're off to the races because your fertilizer's no longer slow-release because you just cut open that timed-release coating.
4: Let me, yeah, I was let thinking more of like I... fairways.
2: Even on fairways, on, on fairways, those guys are either doing solubles or they're doing what's called mini granules which are the size of sand. Slow it's it's SGN not your, Yeah, yeah. It's lower SGN. It's not the typical like Ryan on a lawn, you know, your your commercial grade lawn fertilizers, isn't the SGN like one fifty to two hundred?
1: Yeah. For for commercial grade for, lawn fertilizers? Oh like
2: yeah 2040 200 yeah, okay, good range. Okay, because I'm thinking like for what I see done on fairways as a granule is more like 100 to 90 SGN, you know, the small stuff, so that you don't get the more pickup. But here's the problem with small SGN fertilizer that's the kind of stuff that's about $70 a bag.
4: yeah
2: but you know what right it is
0: it works it works Works well it does and so so my question greg is is there a time of the year where your lawn suffers decline like where everything just starts to fall off and you're like damn it how did i end up here
4: Uh,
3: summer yeah so july and august are the worst Anything I would say anything above eighty five degrees, my lawn just checks out.
0: I wonder how much of that are the older cultivars you've got in there. Oh, it's
1: a hundred percent the genetics.
3: Yeah, it. it yeah, it's, it's the cultivars. Are, they're they're old. I mean, this thing was seeded. Um, yeah, probably when it was built. So, it's it's definitely the cultivars because the stuff I do have in there that's newer. Uh, I did. I did get some, I think it was two years ago. I did grab some, uh, uh, it was a mix from Seed Superstore. So it had midnight, a compact midnight type. I think it was midnight. Uh, It had some fine fescues, maybe a little perennial. And I didn't really know what I was doing then. So what I did, I killed off some bank grass. And at that time, I didn't know what it was. All I know is it looked ugly, wanted to kill it off. So I killed it off and seeded that stuff in there which was a big mistake because it's really dark green it's slow growing um and it stands out like a sore thumb in my backyard and still does but um that stuff works phenomenally well in the summer it stays green no weed pressure doesn't thin out and the only thing is is i think it's a little bit later spring green up um but it, it works exceptionally well. And there's a couple other spots I see as well, where there was uh, some garden beds, but I, yeah, i almost can guarantee that it's the old cultivars that just it's old, it's tired. And that's why I'm thinking, you know, do another interseeding in the fall and just kind of slowly uh, get some better cultivars in there. Uh, the ones I'm looking for are mainly compact America types, just because they blend in better with what I have. If I go with that, um, ultra green midnight, slow growing, uh, it just, I'm afraid that it's just going to look out of place.
0: We're back. We're, yeah, we're back on the renovation train here. Uh, but you know, obviously in stages, right. Uh, would you consider doing like a section at a time, like blocking off a thousand square feet and just establishing that area?
4: Yeah,
3: I don't think so. Maybe it'd be, it'd be may easier be, uh, just. Yeah. Yep. You're that, talking this burn it or use a die quad. That kind of or. approach. Okay.
4: Either or,
0: either and or Here's the other thing too that I would say for for seed establishment is uh, a slit cedar, right? Uh, running, running some grooves in the ground. Don't try and aerate and overseed it. If if you're concerned about uh, speed of establishment, mm-hmm. uniformity of establishment, if you can get it, get a slit seeder, zip seed it, and and you'll be much happier with the result you get than any other method of establishment. I would even argue, probably more so than even like a bare ground establishment.
3: Yeah, I bought one of those Sanjo uh, scarifiers. Hey. And I use that. Yeah, there you at go. the lowest setting, uh, it I worked think that would fairly work. decent for you. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think it's yeah. something you need to go spend two, three thousand dollars on. You know, so anything that'll cut yeah. you some grooves in the ground.
2: Yeah. We're, we're not we're not going to make you buy a graden. <laughs> okay? Because a uh, picture of
0: a graden? What is a graden?
1: You not seeing a graden? Hang on, son. Hang on. I'm going to get you a video. Yeah, you, I'm going to get you a video, because, please.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> when somebody talks about slitting or even verticutting uh, with a walk behind uh, Matt, my, my head immediately goes to either Graydon or Dennis or Sissis.
0: Oh, guy. I know this thing. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Hang on. I mean, mm-hmm. You got a good one. We got to throw this up on the screen. This thing's legit. Yeah. This is the real deal. Yeah. I got yeah. this And the reason,
2: why, the reason why I even know about those machines is because guess what a Hawaii Zosia lawn does to your typical power rate or detacher?
1: Kind of what Freddie Krueger's left hand does to most people's faces. I don't know. Yep.
2: Yep. Okay. Pretty much uh
1: Is that his left hand or his right hand? <laughs>
4: hmm. It's both, wasn't
1: it? Was it both? No, you're thinking of Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, that's right. My bad. That really right ruined there. his social agenda. That really ruined his social agenda with Minona Ryder in that movie. You know, he really wasn't. I
4: you mean know, just saying. Those are some good grooves. Look at that. Look at my boy right here with the, uh,
1: with the power paddle cleaning this thing up. The,
2: well, the power broom, yeah,
1: yeah. That, look at that 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 power broom attachment for the Echo. Now, in that hopper mat, you can put sand, you can put other amendments, right, and it will drop it down into said grooves, right. So,
0: yeah, that's know. what I've had seen it before in the past. Is where they're actually dropping uh, uh, sand into it. You know, I see it on on Twitter all the time too, with uh, all the golf nerds out there doing it. But I mean that's sweet. Don't get me wrong. That's that's a pretty pretty bad so, news little deal there. Yeah, so, so Greg, that's what, what we expect you is, to buy if you want to yeah, have a nice lawn, Greg. Yeah, you can't have a nice lawn without that. I'm telling you right now. Be about, the only about thing
3: not, is, uh, my Ace Hardware might might uh, rent out a slit seater, but I would
1: have no, nah, no, no. You don't want. That's to rent about a, you you want as to good sure. as I can get. You don't want somebody beating up, you know, the equipment that you're going to use. You want to buy this, I've, you know, you're going to be easily in that twelve, thirteen range. It's a good investment. I'm sure your wife will understand. Okay, and we can smooth this over for you if we need to. We'll write a note. We'll absolutely
0: do. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. We'll send a work. doctor's note.
2: Yeah, yeah, w- <laughs> yeah. I will, I will, I will draft a doctor's letter <laughs> for real. I mean, honey,
0: will you will you bring me another another beer, please?
4: I need a yard <laughs> barn for that thing.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but that, that is like
2: literally the way I'd address the problems of your grass not handling warm weather and the contamination with the quack grasses. Uh, how do you guys feel about killing quack grass? How far would you go, Ryan? I'm all for it. Uh, would you? Would you be terrible to it and go full on soul stealer? Yeah, I'd help. Yeah.
1: I'd bring the Takuchi in there and uh, dig that thing up. You know, get get me a little track loader. I'm I'm really wanting to just send Greg down the construction wormhole here and. Have him, <laughs> I, I, I
0: just, Greg, I, I, let me ask you about drainage. How do you yeah. feel? about in-ground drainage
1: like i said this is not an intervention we are we are trying to radicalize you right now this is what's (laughs) happening so uh so here's my question right so we talked about a lot of stuff there's and i think like this greg sets up as another uh good repeat guest you know coming into you know next spring early summer kind of time right when things are really getting going up there for you i'm just curious like we've talked about a lot you've studied a lot what are your goals, like what else you know we want to set you up on the right course here? you know, so in this little last segment we have of the show here, how can we help you you know finish off the year right, which it's really, really close for you to be in completely over, and what can we do to help set you up on the right path to start off twenty two
3: Well, you answered one of my questions already, and that was um using plant growth regulators, which You know, I already kind of knew that was probably a good idea. But this fall, I just didn't get around to buying it. And um, it it ended up being okay. Uh, Two weeks, I mowed it after two weeks. And it was pretty long because the cultivars that I have now, the common types are pretty aggressive. Um, So it does spread and does grow quick. But I think I got some decent uh, uh, germination establishment. Uh, Not as much as I'd like to, but I think going into next year, um, I would probably do it again. I'd do the interseeding. I'd use a plant growth regular. Uh, what do you guys think about wetting agents? I do, I do have in-ground irrigation, so I don't really think that it's needed as much. But
2: okay, no, no, you, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. it's necessary unless you're you're letting it dry out so completely and totally that it's difficult to re-wet. Um, in that instance, I think that could be your friend, but. I don't know a whole lot about Wisconsin soils either. Uh, You you know, the propensity for them to become hydrophobic. But I would think if you've got an in-ground irrigation system, you know, growing lawn height grasses uh, that are being mowed with a rotary mower, that it just, it it wouldn't be necessary for you in in that situation. If you were trying to do that, like in, I don't know, we'll say a thousand miles south of you, then I can say, well, that could be an arsenal in the toolbox that to, to help in certain situations, but probably not up where you are. Agreed. Yeah.
3: So then, my the next question would be: uh, I have Kentucky bluegrass, fine fescue, perennial. Uh, not a big fan of perennial. I like Kentucky bluegrass. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about fine fescues up here. It actually works fairly well. I'm up far enough north where fine fescues seem to be okay and they keep the weeds up pretty well. Um, I think there's some different cultivars that have higher endophyte kind of infection. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and the one actually the one I did use along with the MVS 365 was um, a dunes mix by Berenbrug. So that has creeper red slender creeping red fescue and chewing's fescue. And kind of my thought process was with that is it I don't want that to dominate my lawn by any means because I know it kind of gives that wispy look a little bit, especially if it's mowed high. But I thought it would work good in like the more shadier, drier areas with lower traffic.
4: So uh, you you mix these two together or these are just in a certain yeah, spot? Yeah, I,
3: I did about one-to-one mix. So I think by weight, that's about 75% Kentucky Bluegrass, 25% fine fescues but the only issue i see with that is kentucky bluegrass it it needs more nitrogen than fine fescue so then it's the fine balance of do i i put too much nitrogen uh fine fescue doesn't like that and then um vice versa right
1: yeah there's a lot of reasons to not mix those (laughs) i'm not i'm not making fun of you i yeah i would i would not have done that um reason i say that is uh number one uh what you just mentioned right so uh nitrogen requirements you know first and foremost number two is going to be irrigation requirements fine fescue doesn't really like the same irrigation regimen that you would be under now again you're kind of a little bit more at the mercy of uh the rain up there like i'm sure that there's stretches where you have to irrigate for you know several days or weeks on end but it's probably not like months and months of droughty weather and you know you're in total control so there's that piece uh the third thing would be just texture right like you still don't have a good way to match up texture between these two grasses what i mean by that is like a really finely bladed uh fine fescue right with not necessarily a coarsely bladed of kentucky bluegrass but certainly more coarse than what uh, fine fescue is so getting them to look pretty together Is going to be a challenge and then the last thing and i'll let ray speak to this a little bit is going to be your herbicide tolerance on the fine fescue is not going to be anywhere close to what it is on your kentucky bluegrass so ray why don't you tell greg about some of the herbicides that you ought to stay away from if there's fine fescue in play either mixed into the stand you know uh homogeneously or scattered about the lawn because i do see people get in trouble with this where they spray their lawn and they don't know that they have fine fescue out there. And then, why We got some problems.
2: Mm, okay. Uh, you know, I talked to, about utilizing tenacity to discourage your crabgrass and your bentgrass. That's off the table if you have fine fescue as part of your turfgrass mix because what the tenacity will do is it will burn out the fine fescue. Next thing that's out is this herbicide called sulfentrazone. because that too is going to burn the fine fescue more so than it will burn the Kentucky bluegrass. And the reason why I mentioned sulfentrazone is because Sulfintrazone happens to be a very good option for controlling nutgrass or nut sedge. It is a rather good product for that. But say, if I had to treat you know a fine fescue lawn, or a lawn consisting of a lot of fine fescue, no sulfentrazone, no tenacity, I'd have to work with alternative products. And, and, and that just kind of is limiting because, you know, as far as economy and efficacy, those happen to be two of the more economical and efficacious products. So, you know, I, I just, uh, oh, and there's one more thing that somebody in the Discord told me about in that fine fescue tends to be sensitive even to certain broadleaf uh, herbicide products such as speedzone you know he told me he was trying to clean up his uh, you know KBG fine fescue you know or mostly fine fescue lawn and the fine fescue didn't react very well to being treated with the uh, speed zone.
1: Yeah. It's the PPO, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that carfintra zone got a little too corrosive to the fine fescue.
4: Mm. Yeah.
2: So, you know, it. but then again, that, that's, I see that kind of as a problem because you're just taking away all of these tools that I routinely use, you know, with good effect you know it's like you're you're taking away tools from the toolbox
1: <laughs> yeah no yeah. bueno no bueno mm-hmm. so greg what else what else can we help you with here
3: uh i think i'm just trying to dial in the end rates mm-hmm. and when um so do you, have you heard of the pace turf i think it's the climate appraisal on yes, degree oh, days
1: Indeed, we have. Okay. Do you, mm-hmm. do you
3: guys use that to kind of figure out annual end rates? It's a good, let it's that a be great your starting point. It's a great okay.
1: starting point, and then you, you kind of base it off of the weather and what you're seeing, right, and what type of yeah. end sources you're using. So I imagine in your neck of the woods, you're going to be probably not quite, um, you know, we had Jacob Baker on here several months ago or so and he's up in northern minnesota and there's looks like a a a warm season growth curve right so you know it just goes straight up in june it's plateauing and then about you know end of august very beginning of september it falls off a cliff and you know it's not that typical cool season bimodal growth pattern that we typically you know we would normally see where you know we have a big flush in the spring slowed out in the uh, summertime and then we ramp back up not quite to what spring growth levels were but we're in there in the fall so that being said have you done this for your location there in uh beautiful wisconsin
0: i'm doing it right I now have. and holy hell it is cold in the winter there <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's brutal it is brutal but yeah, like Ryan, you were saying, it's, was, it does Utah have that almost hard. warm season kind of a growth curve. Yeah, um, and, where and that's really, in, Jul- it, in June it's a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so you know you're gonna have to can you screenshot that, Matthew, and yep, look at this guy. He's the best executive producer in the game. What's that? This what is, was that guy's uh, name? From uh, this
0: is coming at you.
1: What was, what was that guy's name from uh, Boogie Nights? Burt Reynolds' character? That's who you are. Jack, Jack Warner. You're the Jack Warner of turf.
4: Warner.
1: <laughs> was it Horner or Warner? I can't remember. Anyhow. I've Jack never Warner. Seen the movie, so, you've never I seen yeah. I, 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 Hell, I no, it? Jack Warner. No, I haven't seen it. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> are you kidding me? Do you know how many people came up to me and were legitimately worried about you at GIE and were like, you know, um, we're a little concerned about Matt? And I'm like, yeah, really? What, what What's up? Uh well, uh I don't know how to say this, but he doesn't watch movies. It's weird, man. So I told <laughs> them I would I would have a chat with you at some point, and one day we'll have an intervention where we tape your eyelids open to your forehead and we will sit down and binge Netflix for like seventy-four hours straight. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna happen.
4: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna duct tape you. I'm gonna duct it gives tape me anxiety just chair.
0: thinking about it.
1: I'm going to duct tape you to a lawn chair. You're not going to be able to move, right? And it's just, just the way it's going to have to be. All right, let me pull this up real quick, Greg. I digressed.
3: That's oh, yeah. that's fairly accurate. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's hard in the paint there. So a couple of things here. Again, doesn't freak me out that you seeded August 11th. You know, you're trying to take advantage of warm soils, still warm temperatures, but not terribly warm, right? and uh again this is where if you are going to be interceding and using existing the uh, cuz you're looking at your you look at your growth rates there not not a typical midwestern or lower midwest growth pattern where your august growth potential is in the mid 90s right not mid 90s temperatures folks if you're following along but growth potential right uh of how fast and quickly the grass could and should be growing so all that being said uh you you can't think in that bimodal uh p- thought process right you can't think well spring i'm going to see this it's going to tail off in summer like unless you see now this year wasn't it particularly hot in the summertime up that way like there was a yeah a, a, this this year was of, a shit show okay okay that's what i thought june
3: was extraordinarily hot uh which it was in the 90s in june and this was like mm-hmm. i think it was the middle of june and it was it was brutal, and we we had a stretch of drought. We didn't get much rain in the spring. Um, yeah, June was terrible. July I think was okay, but we just we didn't get a whole lot of rain. It was just hot. It was humid, and then August we got a lot of rain, and we got record rain in August. Um, one day we got like five point four, five point four five inches within forty five minutes. That'll drive. The but we bird never bird had bird like bird a. Bird con- fire. <laughs> Right. So we had heavy downpours and then a stretch of drought and then downpour and a stretch of drought. So it was it was a terrible season for, for Kentucky bluegrass. Um, yeah. And I irrigated during that time, uh, basically just to prevent it from going dormant. And that was about it.
0: Okay. So to put it into perspective, on June the 5th, your average temperature was 8546 your historical average for June is sixty nine point two. So uh yeah. we're talking about sixteen degrees difference there, uh that that you're dealing with. Yeah. Uh that's that's a that's a foobar in the in the grass world in terms of shock and awe, right? Fifteen degrees, that is, especially when you're talking about going from a hundred percent growth potential. And it's funny. Hang on, actually, I'll do this. Let me plug this in at uh, an average of eighty five degrees. Your growth potential drops to twenty four percent twenty four percent yeah that sounds so, about right it checked out yeah, yeah you you talk about bimodal like you're going you're going straight to zero right there in the in the summer months, and let me look at July here
4: see if we uh start to get
0: some sort of recovery. Golly, why Why is it doing this? Why do I pay for a gigabit internet connection and I can't even load a damn? Okay, here we go. So you, here on July the 5th, your average temperature was 86, but then it, it tended to calm back down. But not great. I mean, you were probably, if you average it through the month, you're probably mid-70s through uh through the month here, actually. Um, your average was, yeah, was 74.83 degrees for the month of July, which isn't too far off of your average. Um, but yeah, I mean, you had, you had a very nice dip in the middle of, uh, middle of the season there. So, you know, and that's, what's interesting about the climate appraisal form is that, you know, a lot of times when you're looking for your weather averages, the easiest thing to do is go to like weatherbase.com, right. And do it. Um, I would ask you to take into account, you can go to uh weather underground and look up your last year's uh, weather history month by month, plug those temperatures in too, uh, to, to, you know, give you a, another perspective of how that looks, because it honestly makes this graph look completely and totally different in terms of what your nitrogen demand would be. Right? Um, I'm moving into August here and your average was 71.93 and that's now you're getting back on closer to your average. But if we pull this chart up here, here, I'm going to, I'm going to send this to you, Jay Pink. You can put it on the screen as a, a bit of a, uh, before and after here. I mean, that is one hell of a drop in growth that just took place in the middle of your season. Right. And you know, you you got to account for that if you can. Uh, and one of the easy things you may be able to do by accounting for it is just, you know, not apply anything, right? That's Let it check out. Apply.
2: Yeah. Yeah, leave it alone. If it's not going to utilize it, leave it alone. And if there were a possibility of, say, in June, you get this kind of extreme heat and extreme drought, I for one would be really reluctant to be playing around with any kind of a nitrogen source that would still be releasing massive amounts of nitrogen in that June time frame. I'd be reluctant And,
0: see, and that's where you could get burned, right? Say mid May, mm-hmm. you know, you you go out with a with a duration ninety product. And, um, you know, you have a couple of those deluges in June and you've got, you know, 80 average of 85 degree temperatures. Well, you've got some pretty good release that's taking place in a time frame where you don't need very good release taking place. And now you're caught with your pants down there's nothing you can do about it because it's, you know, it's going to be temperature and water dependent, right? So the only thing you could do is starve it of water in the hopes that it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't release, but then you're causing the. The grass to check out or uh, possibly die even if you're not getting enough water on it right so um that you know when we we talk about the complexity of slow release fertilizers this is one of those situations where this is a complex situation where a a slow release fertilizer could come back to bite you and you know, is an organic fertilizer maybe in spring a better suited fit for you here because you have to have the microbial mineralization in order for it to release. Therefore, you've got to have temperature and soil moisture for it to release, and so you can run it a little bit drier than normal, right? But again, you run into a situation where you get a couple heavy rains and all of a sudden it's chooching again and it's starting to roll <laughs> and. uh And it's hot as hell and you're going to, you know, run into a different set of issues because of it. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult play, right? And this is why when it comes down to having like ultimate control over your turf grass, like 100% total control over it, why people run a spoon feed program with minute rates of soluble in or soluble nutrients. So they can control and account for that way. If they put down an application, they know it's only going to feed for two weeks it allows them to pivot if they look in the forecast and they see this coming up. Right. And they're like, Oh, well I got to back off. Right. Instead of running a 10th of a pound, I'm going to run, uh, uh, you know, a a fifth of that. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I was going to say is that up there it's okay. So you're in one of those unique areas where, it's probably going to be like what we showed you in the in the historical average, but it could be different, okay? Like, it could be just mildly different, but only for a month. And for me, you can kind of look at the weather and see what's happening. Like, it's not going to, you know, dra- drastically change uh, overnight on you. You're going to be able to see these trends coming. And with that being said, I would rather opt for something where I had more control more frequent apps, lower rates, and go about it that way. If you can commit to that, if you can commit to that, if you want to press the easy button, go out there with some PCSU and carpet bomb the shit out of it. I mean, you're going to get what you're going to get. And that's just the way it is. So I, I think I'll be anxious to hear. And I think this is what I would leave you with is homework, right? Is you know, think about the growth patterns you've seen in your lawn in three years. Think, you know, go back and look at the weather data and see if it matches up and jives with what you think was happening at the time, right? Best you can tell from photos and things like that. And then build your plan around that. Like, I want you to take what you do know about N, right? And try to apply that into building out a program and a system that's going to work for you, you know, not just agronomically, but also with your life and everything else you got going on and stuff like that, and Let's talk about it here in another, you know, what, uh, you know, four or five months before, you know, shit really hits the fan or in some cases when the fire hits the shed <laughs> in there. Yep. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. That, that sounds good. I, I do have access to, um, a sprayable prilled urea that I can get my oh, hands on. Yeah. That is I do. Be all I have is, uh, Two gallon uh, pump sprayer right now. I want to, to get a back right?
1: Greg. Yeah, spending money. My no,
3: hey, wife's gonna love
1: that. No, 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 no. Santa's gonna bring it for you. It's gonna be all right, right? <laughs>
2: It'll be okay. It'll, It'll be okay. Be okay. You don't and
0: have fireplaces out there, right? It's just gonna show up in the fireplace one day. You no, know <laughs> uh, he's, <laughs> he's gonna. No, he's gonna Santa's gonna. Santa's gonna
1: wiggle his ass out of the Amazon van and bring it to the door. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So
2: that that that's right. <laughs> so gentlemen,
1: <laughs> anything here as we wrap up. We're we're coming up around two hours. It's almost time to start the show after, which you know, we'll move through pretty quickly here tonight. I know Matt's gotta get to bed and he's got some stuff going on. But yeah, anything y'all want to wrap up with here?
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna be here for the after show. I apologize. My daughter's appendix ruptured. And so uh I've spent the last week in the hospital dealing with that. And uh so anyway, when we get off here I've got to go make sure all that's good. doesn't have quite decent control of her bowels right now. And, uh, it's a mess. I don't know how else to describe that other than it's a mess. Uh, but I'm glad that's uh, over with. Not good. Uh, But I was going to say, Greg, (laughs) thanks for coming on. And, uh, I hope, I hope you come back again as we dive into the season and, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can take the little bits that you pick up and stuff and, and, you know, maybe help guide you along. To me, I love seeing how things change across this, uh, climate appraisal map. When all of a sudden you start dealing with 85 degree average temperatures because that creates a whole new ball game, especially up there where you live. Right. So I find that interesting. We do have something in the mailbag, but what do you, what do you got, Ray?
2: Well, uh, I was just going to point to the, uh, You know, to that climate appraisal form because that is my best evidence when I tell people um, you are playing with fire, for example, going through mechanical operations on warm season grass at this time of the year. Because it's November, right? It's November going into December. Uh, Our gross potential right now is starting to drop to the lower quartile. Mm -hmm. Versus, uh, you know that scalp down to the dirt that I'm so fond of?
4: You love it. You do.
2: I love it and I don't worry about it as long as I do that between april through september because that's when for example my gross potential is at its highest Mm -hmm. so you know that gross potential and that climate appraisal form is probably the most valuable tool out there because you know common sense and logic tells you why are you applying fertilizer when it is going to be releasing nitrogen at a time when it's not good for the grass, actually? And so for his case, he literally should be applying most of his fertilizers in August and September then, pretty much.
3: Ray, have you heard of uh, Carl Yard? Carl Guillard,
2: from University of Connecticut. Ah, uh, I haven't.
3: He he talks about late season fertilization, and uh, and the issues that are, come with that, especially with water quality. Uh, mm-hmm. He did, yeah, he did a study, and I think it was back in 2014. Might have been earlier than that, but he showed that. After September fifteenth, uh, you could lose up to fifty percent of the nitrogen you apply down. Um, in October, November, uh, same thing. You have increases of loss leaching, and then well, and- it didn't really make much of a difference the next spring when it came to turfgrass quality. So okay. um, that's just kind of the summary of it. But it's it's good information. I think Doug might have replicated it as well. I can't remember.
2: Well, here's the here's the problem is that you're talking about nitrogen rates being applied literally at a time when the grass is no longer actively growing. And I never can put my head around and accept the concept of applying nutrients at a time when grass is not uptaking those nutrients. I mean, I'm not on board for that. I never was. Uh, I don't like those so-called winterizer applications. I don't like those soil load applications where somebody's talking about my soil test is low, so I'm going to sling a whole bunch of P and K in the fall when the grass is you know, basically no longer growing. Uh, I, I, I kind of say, stop, stop. Your grass is not uptaking it because, you know, I think in terms of whatever the grass doesn't uptake and utilize immediately, that is the nutrient application that becomes an environmental pollutant, plain and simple.
3: Now, Ray, would you look at like evapotranspiration rates during, I would say, like uh, to kind of dictate when your last fertilization should be? That's. I look
2: at that as well. I look at that as well. Because I can correlate, for example, if grass is not needing or utilizing water, that's also my signal that, for example, the grass is not going to utilize nutrients. Like, for example, I'm entering the time of the year where in my area, I am almost shutting down irrigation. Can you imagine that? I'm almost shutting it down. I go from running an inch of water per week to almost shutting it down. And so at this time of the year, I'd be foolish to be pumping grass with nutrients as well. You know, and for and for you, I mean if you're looking at your lawn and it's no longer needing irrigation anymore and it's also not raining and the grass is not cycling such that it rains it grows more that's your clue that you shouldn't be putting anything else on it because it's done growing so et matters
4: yep okay
3: (laughs) yeah for us in wisconsin i think the recommendation is not to apply, I think, probably after October 15th here in Wisconsin.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, going to guess uh, that because that's when your grass just isn't growing anymore at all. Right. It's, it's done, right? Yeah. So why why put it? Why apply it? That's, uh, that's a fair point. And for me, I'm not so much watching a date so much as I'm watching what grass is actually doing is it still growing you know that that's my metric because guess what i pay attention to clipping volume you know
4: gotta go with it gotta go
1: with it you know what ray there's going to be a volume of probably a lot of uncomfortable adult words that are going to come here in a few minutes right so If you want to join in on something like that, if you want to hear a little bit more about the dark side of lawn care YouTube and some of the unscrupulous uh, faith-based and, well, just really poor takes, you know, like bad stuff that people are trying to put on video. And pumping out there. Well, come on and join us. We'd love to be, have you be a part of it over on Dirty Deeds. So you just need to go ahead and become a member of the channel. You can hop over there. There'll be a private link. They'll be there for just a few minutes, not very long at all. So you need to act quickly and you can be a part of it. With all that said, Greg, you've been an excellent guest. We thank you for coming on. Pink is going to book you to come back in a few months after you have taken the next deep dive right on your uh, turf base jumping adventure. We can't wait for it. Looking to have you back soon. Everybody else we will see you on the next one. <laughs> okay. We won't do the mailbag then,
0: Demay. You, oh, we don't want to do the
1: mailbag. We can do the mailbag. Oh, wait, we'll do a you, burn and return. Burn and return. Burn return. Burn and return.
0: We'll do it all right. right. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Send the mailbag return. for burn and return. All right. Burn and return. All right. All right. All right. Ah. Love you.